It is just wonderful to be here. Um, you know, that's the right thing to say, but <laughs> but it's true. You know, it's it's uh, uh, this weekend was one of those times that is so unique. Uh, Dave and I were talking. I don't think he has led worship and I've preached in any service that I remember since probably 96. So um, yeah. uh, the weekend was very special because of that and then this morning again. So it's just, it's just great. Ledovic, that was wonderful to hear you pray in your language. It was anointed. It's wonderful. Praise God. Are you glad to be here this morning? Yeah. I hope you'll say that after my message. <laughs> All right, take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 21. We're going to get there in just a minute. Luke 21, verse 25. So, But I'm going to read another verse first and then make a few comments and then we'll, we'll get into Luke 21 briefly. It really is a thematic message this morning, so there we go. Daniel 12, verse 4 says, But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the, until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there. How many would say, I am a fulfillment of that prophecy? Right? And knowledge will increase. I, I find that to be a, a very interesting sign of the times, the rapid increase of knowledge. And I ran across some statistics. Actually, my son Ben sent them to me. He had discovered them, sent them on, and he sends me stuff every once in a while like this. So here, here's some very interesting things that are happening in our world today when it comes to knowledge. China will soon become the number one English-speaking nation of the world. Isn't that interesting? 25% of India's highest IQs equal more than the U.S. population. India has more whiz kids than we have kids. And when I said that, George this morning just brightened. <laughs> one nation, um, the number one nation in broadband internet penetration is the nation of Bermuda. USA is number 19, Japan is number 22. So technology is changing around the world. The top 10 in-demand jobs in 2010, we're talking next year, did not exist in 2004. Think of developing a 50 million people market audience. Okay, Took radio... 38 years, took television 13 years, took the internet 4 years, took iPod 3 years, took Facebook 2 years. 1984, there were 1,000 internet devices in the world. 2008, there's 1 billion. 1992 was the first commercial text message. How many text messages? Okay, yeah. Most of you are under 40. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you don't know how many text messages there are a day? 
six billion a day. It's amazing. 2006, there were 2.7 billion searches on Google. 2006. Two years later, 2.6 billion. Two years later, 31 billion. Just this, just amazing escalation. Technological information is doubling now every two years. This is the last one that I find so fascinating because it's so it's so out of the box for my generation. One in eight couples that married in the United States last year met online. Just the other day, I was I was flying into an airport and and met this couple. He has a doctorate in music, teaches for Jack Hayford's college in in California, and and he and his wife met online, and they were going to a wedding. They were on their way to a wedding for another couple that had met online and were just getting married. I mean, this is just amazing stuff. Changes happening today in dramatic ways. So we're seeing huge escalation. All right? And then, <clears throat> how many are somehow impacted by the economy? <laughs> yeah, right, right. You've, you've seen your mutual funds drop like a rock, 40%. Sorry for bringing that up. I didn't want to bring discouragement to you this morning. You know, but, but you know, but as you look over the horizon, we recognize this economic issue is a world issue, isn't it? Huh? It's a world issue. And, and, and nobody has answers. Um, our ministry, the ministry I represent, International Russian Radio and Television, is out of Finland. By the way, I've got a table back there with stuff, so feel free to take stuff if you're interested. Um, but I was talking to our founder of our ministry, Hanu Hauka, out of Finland the other day, and uh, I said, what's things like over in Finland. He says exactly like it is in the United States. Banks having problems, economy dropping like a rock, uh, houses not selling. It, it, it's, it's a global issue. It's a global issue. Okay, Luke, Luke 21. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and here on the earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. That's not just physical or 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 water, but that's other kinds of things. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. How many can't wait for that in Minnesota? In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. So, so, so we see this word near used by Jesus, and it's it's a it's a it's a powerful word. It's a pro, it's a progressive word. It's it's a word that speaks of of process of something that that is here and it's now approaching. It's coming closer and closer and closer. It's literally a pregnancy term. And all you ladies who have had children know fully what that means. And and us guys, you know, 
we don't really have a clue, but we observed the process. And, 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 and it was beautiful and wonderful, and we, you, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're looking with great excitement for the moment of the birth of this child, right? And, and every month, you know, you, you see development, and you see change, and, and, and everything is telling you uh, something is up, huh? Something is different. This baby's going to be born. And it's wonderful. And it's also painful. Right? The process of birth pains. It, 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 it's, it's both and. It's wonderful and painful. And we see this, this nearer concept of the coming of Jesus Christ is, is both wonderful and painful. And, and, and if we think that we're not going to experience the pain, just all the wonder, well, get a clue. That's not going to happen. We're going to experience both of them. Now, how close are we? That's, that's, that's the question. I mean, Jesus in Matthew 24 gives us, gives us a checkoff list. Many false Christs and prophets will arise and will deceive many. Don't forget that word, many. Pray for discernment. Pray that you would have eyes wide open. That you wouldn't be sucked into something stupid. Because there's a lot of stupid stuff to get sucked into today, right? Looks religious, looks godly, looks like the Holy Spirit's on it. But you scratch under the surface and, and it's phony baloney. Well, guess what? Jesus said many, many wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes will increase. Birth pangs. The first birth pangs. Lawlessness will abound. That's a sad one. The love of many will grow cold. Guard your heart. Great tribulation. Day shortened for the sake of, of, of the elect. The gospel will, will be preached as a witness to all ethnos, to all nations, to all language groups. How many can say, thank God for that? Amen. And Jesus will return like lightning. And no one, no one, not Pastor Jim, not me, not anybody else, No, nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody. At best, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that we see things imperfectly as, as, a, as in a cloudy mirror, incompletely, partially. Okay? So, so none of us have all the answers. You know, not these guys on television that, that's got it all lay, laid out and they know exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I, I'm sorry, some of them are great guys, but, but you know, they, they really don't know what's going to happen. They think they know what's going to happen. But none of us, we only see it partially. That was true concerning the first coming of Christ. It's true concerning the second coming of Christ as well. We look back now after the first coming of Christ and we see all the pieces of the, of, of the puzzle. We can, we, can, we can trace them all throughout the Old Testament. But it wasn't very clear for them then. And so it is for us. What was apostolic theology concerning the return of Christ? Were, were they pre-tribulationists, mid-tribulationists, post-tribulationists, amillennialists? Where did they stand on those kinds of issues? Or, or did they even care about them? Let me tell you, I don't even think they cared about it. And we get so hung up on some of this stuff, you know. And, and, and you, you need to take a stand. You need to search the scriptures. That's a good thing. I remember a good friend of mine, John Kennington, many years ago, and I've never forgotten it. He said, he said you've got to stand somewhere to look at anything. So when you look at eschatology, take a stand. That's okay. And then he said this, but make sure you're not standing in wet concrete. You know, 
Because, because you'll find that over time, the Holy Spirit will give you greater and greater understanding of the Scriptures, and your position will, will, will be tweaked, will change. It won't change necessarily dramatically, but it will change. And we need to be aware of that. So, what was apostolic theology concerning the return of Christ? It's this very same word that Jesus uses in the Gospel of Luke. And we see it in Romans chapter 13. It's this nearer concept. It's this, it's this pushing towards pregnancy fulfilled. Okay? It's, it's this excitement about the reality that one day soon, the baby's going to be born. One day soon, the king is going to come. Okay? That's the emphasis here. And we see it in Romans chapter 13. You can turn there if you want. Um, and by the way, we, 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 also, we also see the, this, the same birth pangs kind of concept in Romans, Romans chapter, uh, what is it? Romans chapter 8, I think it is. Yeah, Romans chapter 8, where, 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 where it talks about all of nature groans in, in travail, in waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And so there's this, there's this reality that, that all of nature uh, is, is groaning in anticipation, waiting for the nearness, the coming of Christ. And Paul, in Romans 13, really gives us the, the heart, the kernel of truth when it comes to the return of Christ, the, the theology of the New Testament church. Verse 11, this is all the more urgent. What is all the more urgent? That's a good question. You look back, Few few verses back, he's talking about loving your neighbor, being kind, not not committing adultery, murder, steal, uh, don't covet, um, you know. But love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent for you to do this, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up! Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Paul doesn't identify, okay, you know, after the first three and a half years, you know, no, no, he doesn't, he doesn't get into that. He, 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 says, he says it's nearer than it was. It's nearer than yesterday. It's nearer than last week. It's nearer than this morning. Huh? Okay, so, so there, there was this, there was this reality that the coming of Christ was not so much theological, and it was not so much educational or informative. It was primarily transformational. They woke up every day with an awareness of nearness. Like a mom does who is waiting for this baby to be born. Every morning she wakes up thinking, oh, we're one day closer. Huh? Yeah. Amen. I remember, uh, I remember uh, last year when Erica was pregnant with, with Zachary, and you know, it was, it was, you know, and I, I stopped through on one of my trips, and she was, she was, you know, in the groaning stage, you know, you know, that, that period where, where every day becomes that much more special because you're that much closer to, uh, to Big Zach getting born, you know, and, and thank, thank the Lord it did come, right? Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, so wonderful. You know, but that, that, that kind of expectation is really the position that, 
that God wants you to have as a Christian concerning the return of Christ. And I, I would like to simply emblazon that word on your heart today. Nearer! His coming is nearer. And that, and that, and that regularly. And it, wouldn't it be wonderful if it was daily? You would wake up every morning and think the first thought on your mind as your eyes blink open, you think, nearer. It would change attitude. It would change how you would treat your spouse. It would change how you relate to people on the job. It, 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 it would change how you pe- treat people at Walmart or at the grocery store, at the gas station, or wherever you're at. It, it, it changes all of life because, because life now goes through this sieve of nearness. And I'm one day closer. I'm one day closer. This, this, this captivated the heart of the New Testament church. And, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't so much something that, that was written as much as it was just this attitude issue of their hearts. And you hear it. You hear it in 1 Corinthians 16. Paul writes this long letter to the Corinthians. And, and I've taught 1 Corinthians. And it's kind of a tough book to teach. Because, boy, you know, Paul isn't very well received in Corinth. And, and it's tough. And his... his his apostolic leadership isn't being honored, and, and, and some people didn't even like him there. And, and I mean, this, this is a tough place. But, but, but he ends up, 1 Corinthians, you know, with, with this phrase, and it's just kind of totally out of context. And, he, and he's just, and it's kind of like, it's, it's just something that he sighs. He says, Maranatha, even Lord, come. You know, there's, there's, this, there's this breathing out of, oh, Lord, come. When was the last time that that was the breath of your heart? Oh, Lord, God. Nearer. Oh, Lord, come. You know. And I heard it. I heard it today as you were singing. I heard it. I heard the sound of the bride saying, come. I think it brings great joy to the heart of Jesus when he hears his bride interested in his coming. (laughs) <laughs> you know you know i mean i i travel now i'm gone uh i, I preach somewhere uh pretty well every sunday uh somewhere all over u.s canada and, and 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 so i'm gone two sundays one week and then and then home a week and then gone and 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 you know it'd be horrible for me it would be hor- horrible for me if 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 i get to the airport and and colleen's not there to pick me up and and uh, I, I give her a call on my cell phone and say, you know, I'm at the airport. And she says, oh, oh, yeah, I totally forgot. <laughs> you know, you know, I was at the grocery store. And, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm really not too interested, but I'll, I'll be there after a while. You just hang out there for a while. You know, what would that make me feel like? You know, well, well, I think the Lord feels that way sometimes about us. You know, it's like, you know, are you are you interested in my coming back? Oh, well, not really. You know, we're, we're at the grocery store, you know, we're really busy with life here and enjoying life. And, and I, frankly, how many can relate to this? You know, I mean, old time Pentecost, we heard a lot about the return of Christ. I grew up Pentecostal. And, 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 and I, I, remember, I remember growing up as a teenager and really praying, Lord, I don't want you to come now because I really want to get married and I want to have a family and, and I want to finish college, you know, and I've got all these plans. And, and so, Lord, just, just kind of... How many can relate to that? Huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Confession is good for the soul. 
The Lord knew you felt that way, anyhow. So, you know, so, so there's, this, there's, there's this near theology. Paul in 2 Timothy 4 talks about those who are eagerly looking forward to the return of Christ. 1 John, John talks about um, that, that those who have this hope in, in them concerning the return of Christ do something. They purify themselves, even as he is, it impacts them. It, it touches their life in a powerful way. So, so this, this again is, is very transformational. And I, I just so appreciate what C.S. Lewis said about the return of Christ and how it really changes how we live. Listen to what he said. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Okay, The apostles themselves who set on foot to convert the Roman Empire. The great men who built up the Middle Ages. The, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade. All left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. And I love this last part of the statement. Aim at heaven. Aim at heaven. Aim at heaven. And you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth. And you will get neither. It's profound. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth. You'll get neither. See, our problem is, is the problem of, of being distracted. We, we get controlled by the peripheral. How many have ever had an argument with your spouse and things got pretty heated? Okay, that ever happened to anybody here? Okay, all right. Things, things get a little heated and, 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 and afterwards you're kind of, you know, you've made up and you, you know, you both said I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? That was the men's retreat, by the way. But anyhow, um, uh, so we've gone through that process and, and, and everything's fine and good now. And you're in retrospect and you think, that was so dumb. I mean, it was over nothing. Why did we do that? You know, why did we let that happen? And that happens to us all the time. I was traveling with a guy. No, excuse me. I wasn't traveling with a guy. I met a guy while I was traveling. I was going to Grand Rapids, um, Michigan, here, you know, during the weekend of, of the Super Bowl. You know, there was a Super Bowl. Do you remember that? You know, who was playing? Does anybody remember? You know, I mean, that's the way it is, isn't it? You know, Pittsburgh and Arizona, by the way. I don't remember the score right now, but, you know, I, I mean, at the time it was really important, wasn't it? You know, but, but this guy, this guy made a couple comments. I said, well, who are you going for? And he said, with my heart, I'm going for Arizona, but with my wallet, I'm going for Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know there was three billion with a B, three billion dollars bet on the Super Bowl. Three billion. You talk about losing perspective. Right. With the economy that we're in, <laughs> with the issues that we're dealing with, huh? Three billion dollars spent on the on the Super Bowl. It's an amazing thing. It is so easy for us to lose sight of the central, not because we're evil. Not because we're, we're against what's central. It's just that we get distracted by the peripheral, by little stuff. Eat us alive. Yeah. 
and we end up spending our life on the, on the crumbs. You know, when God has something far greater for us centrally. Now that's, that's not only true in a, in a, in a personal way, in a family way, in a vocational way, but it's also true in relationship to churches. One of the things I appreciate about this church is that you've worked hard to build bridges with other churches of other denominations and, and, and other streams. How many realize there's more than this stream? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you are looking like, like that guy's crazy. <laughs> there, there is more than this stream, by the way. You know? And I, I'm, I'm finding that out as I travel. You know? I'm thinking... Oh, this is interesting. I haven't been in this stream before. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Okay, yeah, I, I got a funny story. You know, I, I, I don't have to read this, but I want to because it's, it's one of my favorite. And it fits here on the issue of, of focusing on, on the peripheral instead of what's really important. A guy by M.O. Phillips wrote this. I'm sure it's not autobiographical. I hope, I hope it wasn't, but anyhow, you'll pick that up as I read it. I was in San Francisco once walking along the Golden Gate Bridge and I saw this guy on the bridge about to jump. So trying to stall him, I said, do you believe in God? He said, I do. I said, are you a Christian, Jew, or Muslim? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. Protestant, Catholic, or or Orthodox? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern conservative Baptist or Northern liberal Baptist? He said, Northern conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist or Northern conservative reform Baptist? He said, Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist. I said, me too. Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern conservative Baptist Eastern region? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Great Lakes uh, uh, Region, Council of 1879, or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region, Council of 1912. He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region, Council of 1912. So I said, die heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. (laughs) 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 Woo! (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that a great story? I just love it. You just see that, you know, die heretic. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, you know, we laugh at that, but it's so true. We divide on stupid stuff. Right? We do. And, 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 and God has called us to something greater. Now, listen. Jesus lived with an urgency mentality. He lived with a pregnancy mentality. He knew his was three years. He had only three years to get stuff done. Now, you don't know that. And neither do I. I just turned 60 in January. And, you know, for both Colleen and I, and by the way, I'm sorry she's not here she was here last Sunday when I was at another church, and we're, we're doing great, by the way. It's not really, we're going to different churches at different times. But she had to go home because she's got to teach school tomorrow. Um, and I, I got to stay 
through this evening. So, so anyhow, we, uh, I had to take her to the airport this morning. But when, when the lights went on, the lights went on at 60 for me. And it was kind of like, oh my goodness. 15 years from now, I'm going to be 75. What? <laughs> you are kidding. That's crazy. That's impossible. You know? And, and you know, just that awareness of, of brevity, even if God gives me long life, it's not going to be that much longer. I mean, really, in comparison. You know? And, and, and so there's this awareness of, of, of that, I've got to do something with the time I've got. Okay? That's, that's, that's a nearer theology. Say nearer. nearer. Say it again. Nearer. nearer. It's a nearer theology. There's that awareness that we're getting closer. We're either, we, we are definitely getting closer to the coming of Christ, and you are also getting closer to the end of whatever you're going to do with your life. And Jesus lived that way. Listen to this. I'm almost done. This is, and, and I, I've got four scriptures, but these are not four points. Amen. Right. Okay. Uh, Luke 2, verse 49. L- listen, no. Let it sink into your heart. I must be about my father's business. I must. Passion. Pregnancy. Nearness. I, I must. Be about my Father's business. John 9, verse 4. I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming. He had that push in the small of His back that says, I can't put this off forever. I have to fulfill what God is calling me to do. What God is calling me to do today. I need to do it now. John 4, 34. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Let me ask you, what is the work of God that He is calling you to finish? Luke 4.43 I must preach the kingdom to other cities because for this purpose I have come. God's purpose for you and for me isn't always convenient. It's not always comfortable. It will oftentimes involve risk. It will oftentimes involve change. Jesus loved Capernaum. The people of Capernaum loved him. He did a lot of miracles there. A lot of good things happened in Capernaum. And as far as Jesus was concerned, I'm sure he could have just stayed in Capernaum. And gather a flock around him of thousands of people and just minister to them on, the regular, on a regular basis. But, but, but Jesus said, that's not what God has called me to. He's called me to another purpose. I have to visit other cities. <laughs> what, is, what is the Father's business for you today? You know, let's not talk about life call here because I don't, I don't know if I even believe in life call. I mean, some people do one thing and that's all they do the, all their life. But most of us don't. Okay, so it's not, it's not a matter of what is God calling you for the rest of your life. It's, 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 it's what is His will now. Now. In this season. Today. Tomorrow. Is, is tomorrow important to God in your life? Or is it just... Not important because 
Because it really doesn't have anything to do with what God has called you to do. What is God's agenda for you while it is yet day? You know, you... Hum, feel your pulse. You still okay? Huh? How many are still okay? How many are grateful that you don't control that? You know, I mean, it, isn't it so wonderful that, I mean, there goes, katham. Yeah, it's still working. You know, it's still day. <laughs> As long as this is still pumping, you're yet in the day. You're not in the night. Okay? And what is God calling to you to do while it is yet day? While it is yet today. A lady by the name of Beverly Eckert. Her husband died 9-11 in one of the two towers. He called her as the tower was going down and he was dying. And he just said, honey, I just want to tell you that I love you. Click, that was it. Boom, gone, dead. From that time until this year, she committed her life to working for the 9-11 victims' families and was consumed by it. A couple weeks ago, as many of you are aware, there was a plane that went down over Buffalo. She was going there. She was on that plane, and she was going to Buffalo to commemorate her husband's 58th birthday at the high school that he had graduated from. She never made it. Plane went down. Boom. Her day was done. She had other plans, I'm sure. She probably had a full schedule, full calendar. Who cares? Her day is done. And it's, it's easy for us to live in such a way where if that would happen to you, if that was you, and you were alive in the process of knowing you were dying, would you feel like, oh God, this can't be happening because I've not yet done what you called me to do. Thousands of believers, they love Jesus, but they've gotten distracted by the peripheral and they've never, they've never pressed in to what God has for them. It hasn't happened. They're hoping one day it will, but there it is, you know. As I, as I close this this morning, The verse that just is really is kind of my life verse. It's found in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 23. It's very simple. <laughs> Would have to be simple for Dave Ogren. You know, some of these guys have this, all this other stuff, but mine's pretty simple. I know one day Dave Ogren's going to be in the place that Beverly Eckert was in. Maybe not in a plane, hopefully not. I was on a plane where the engine blew a couple months ago, coming out of Long Island, and we made it back to the airport, and the ambulances were all there and waiting for us to have real problems. Thankfully, it was one engine, not two. So I, you know, I've experienced a little bit of that feel. But one day, the lights are going to go out. 
You know, and I'd, I'd like it to be 30 years from now when I'm 90 years of age like Paul Harvey was, died yesterday. I just heard that this morning. You know? I'd like it to be that way, but I don't know if it's going to be that way. But I do know this, that the next second, it's not going to make any difference how many wonderful messages I've preached and how many people I've touched or who thought Dave Ogren was doing a great job or what kind of house I lived in, or, or, or what my retirement funds looked like, or, 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 or whether or not my car was clean or dirty. You know what I'm talking about? Just life. And all those things are okay and in their place. And, you know. But at that moment, the only thing that I'm going to be looking for is for Jesus to look me in the eyes and say, Dave, he didn't do it perfectly. <laughs> it's not the point. It's not what he said. He said, you're blessed because you were a good and faithful servant. You did what I called you to do. Imperfectly, made some good fumbles in the process, went the wrong direction on the field sometimes. <laughs> You know, that kind of stuff. You know, he doesn't care about that. Go ahead. You know, but it, it's, it's the point of, are you on his journey? Are you doing what he's called you to do? And whether he takes you home an hour from now or 40 years from now, there's going to be a sense of peace in your heart because you said to the very end, I was with all of my heart trying to do what he wanted me to do. And that can be an engineer, that can be being a part of the Air Force, that can be, that can be whatever, you know, uh, working for the University of Minnesota. It doesn't make any difference. Be a, be a young mom that's, that's babysitting, you're right smack dab in the center of the will of God doing exactly what God has called you to do for right now. We're not talking about rocket science, or you got to go out there and do something big. You just got to do what Jesus wants you to do now. And don't, don't let people hassle you with it, with something else, and put their call on you. Okay, I, I was done probably five minutes ago. Let's, let's close our eyes. Lord, I just, uh, I thank you, God, for this, for this body. Thank you for these people. You don't look on us as, as corporately. You look on us individually. And you see us as we are. And you see us where we're at. And what we're experiencing right now. And right now you have call and purpose and plan written all over our life right now. Right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask two questions. I'm just going to ask you to keep your eyes closed. This is private, personal stuff. It's nothing to do with you and anybody else. It's just you and God. It, if you are here this morning and you really sense that, Dave, I've, I've really kind of gotten off course here. I, I've gotten involved with peripheral. I've, I've, I've allowed other things to cause me to lose sight of God's plan and God's purpose for my life. But but I'm making a commitment today to pursue 
God's purpose for my life with all of my heart. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just up and down quick. God bless you. Yes, hands all over. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with me or, or this church or anything. This is about you and Jesus and, and, and having him one day look you in the eye and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay. It's the only thing that matters. Not, not anything else. God bless you. Now, this relates to to probably all of us here this morning, but it's just so good for us just to respond. Just to say, Jesus, I want to live my life fulfilling your will. If that's your heart, just raise your hands to the Lord. Just say, Lord, please guide me, lead me, direct my steps. And I I have a word of the Lord for you as I close this this morning. That I believe God spoke into my heart for you congregationally today. And the word is this. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. You don't have to struggle with this. You don't have to fight with this. You don't have to get all frustrated. Just just relax. Keep your ears open. God's going to guide you. He's going to lead you into the fullness of his purposes for your life. I have no idea what that is. And frankly, that's between you and God. But be confident that God is going to lead your life. Let Let me just pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for these people. You love each and every one of them as much as you love me or my my grandkids. Abby and Zachary, and sometimes it's hard for me to think that you love others as much as you love them. But God, I know you do. And you love us equally, and you don't look at us differently because of our callings or giftings, but you look at us all the same. We're all important to you. Our lives are vital. We count. And I pray, oh God, these precious people would be affirmed and encouraged to go out and live with nearness. Nearness concerning the return of Christ. Nearness concerning that we only have so much time to do what God has called us to do. Work it, Lord, in the hearts and lives of your people, God, so that one day we will stand in your presence and be able to rejoice together and say, God, I'm so grateful I didn't miss it by something stupid. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.